Yo, what's up everybody? I'm Sean Devlin. And I'm Duncan Stevenson. And welcome to the fourth episode of The Stride. On today's episode, we will be joined by Dr. Maya Ozeri. It's a really great episode. Can't wait for you guys to listen to it. Let's do it. We would like to welcome on Dr. Maya Ozeri. Maya is the Executive Director of the Cooper's Athletic Leadership Program at Georgetown University, otherwise known as CALP. Uh, she played college soccer at Florida International University and Barry University. She was also the member of, a member of the Israeli National Women's Soccer Team and captain of the U19 team for two years in a row. She earned a Bachelor of Science in Psychology and a Master's of Science with a specialization in Sports and Exercise Psychology. And in grad school, she earned her PhD in Organizational Leadership at the Chicago School of Professional Psychology. So we're really excited to have you on, Maya. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Sean. And hi, Duncan. Um, great, great to be here and appreciate the invitation to talk to you today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, when we started this, I know you were a person on my mind this whole time because you're just uh, a really great leader in Georgetown community. So excited! No, I appreciate that, John. It's it's um, you know the the role at Georgetown is a really unique role, and I think the most uh, the thing that stands out to me the most is working with students like yourself and you know some of your peers that um, we've worked with um, that take these type of initiatives like the, this. You and Duncan, two friends. Um, who are you know now in college starting a podcast to talk about leadership? I, I text you when I when I saw that you launched this and said like how cool is this that that you're just kind of putting yourself into this and seeing where it goes. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I appreciate that. Appreciate. Um, so yeah, so getting into the interview a bit. Uh, this is like the first question we ask everyone who comes on the pod. Um, so when you think about a good leader, what do you believe is the most important quality of a good leader? Sure. So it, it's funny, I, I listened to your first um, podcast and I um, heard both of you talking about this. So I feel like I got to know you, Duncan, a little bit um, through your response. And um, I think Sean even said, you know, I'm not even sure about this question. I don't know how we start, um, which again is just really neat that this is the way that you're starting to explore the topic. You know, I think that there's a lot of definitions. I'm sure that if you Google, you know, what is effective leadership, what is good leadership, you'll get you know, millions of hits, like actually millions of hits. Um, you know, there's books upon books and um, different research studies on this topic of effective leadership within organizations, within the sport industry, within higher education. I think, you know, I'll, I'll take this to, to a place of my personal experience working with high level um, athletes within college athletics and professional sports and, you know, working with coaches within this industry. And I think you know, one thing that really stands out to be about effective leaders, because I think the, the concept of good could be debated, right? But effective leaders um, is really someone that has the courage to be vulnerable and someone that is seeking progress and not perfection. So th there's a lot that is written on this. Um, Brene Brown really stands out to me um, in saying vulnerability is the place of connection. And when I think of really effective leaders, um, I think it's people who are able to connect with other people. Um, and, you know, that connection doesn't just happen. And I think, you know, back in the day, we really valued charisma, um, you know, kind of the, the charismatic leader. And I think maybe still some people within sports, like, 
they really value the person that's like the rah-rah and the huddle. Um, and I think at, there's a place and time for that, um, but it's not just about that. And what we know now about effective leadership is that it's about connection. And what we know about connection um, between human beings is about um, being vulnerable and being kind of courageous and, and leaning into some discomfort and uncomfortable maybe situations at times, um, you know, and being yourself. Um, and that's not always easy, depending on the situation. So that, that's where I would start. You know, I, I, when I think of um, a really, when I think of effective leadership, I think actually um, there's a really famous TED talk about um, leadership being as, or a leader being um, an orchestra conductor. I don't know if you guys have seen that before, but um, and that metaphor of being an orchestra conductor, I think is really helpful where everybody has, you know, the same uh, sheet of music, um, but there, there needs to be a conductor to kind of help people move along, to help people play their own tune that then becomes a symphony. So that's the way I think about it. Right. Um, and that actually, that's a great point you just made, I think, because that reminds me a lot of um, a former coach of ours, uh, Sam Breslin, talked about it. And he talked about uh, like a great leader kind of providing a structure and making sure everyone's marching in the same direction towards the same goal. Um, so I think that's really similar the, to the point you just made about the conductor, making sure everyone's in line with um, the same goal in mind. So yeah, great point. You, you know what, Duncan? I would say though, um, maybe not even in the same line, right? Because people, and, and maybe to different people walk on it to a different beat. Um, you know, when I think of student athletes that I work with, everybody's a little different right? Everybody comes from a different background. They, they have their, their own pace. And I think really good leaders, like when I think of coaches who are really effective at managing their kind of teams. So let's say Sean's team has 50 some, um, you know, swimmers and divers, men and women um, on that team. Like everybody is different. The, 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 the skill and the art of leading that type of kind of team is really being able to recognize um, different people's pace and then help people move along to whatever it is, like to your point about the, you know, marching kind of in the same direction, to go in the same direction, but to also be okay with people who might need to um, do, do it a little differently. And I think, Sean, I, I, I know you're really into... Um, the Michael Jordan, the last mm -hmm. dance, um, yep. you know, Duncan, is that, are you interested in that too? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. We've been watching a lot. We talk you know, about it all the time. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> yeah. So th this is a really good example, right? Like that the we're just watching. I mean, Phil Jackson is, is um, very clearly um, giving people a direction, but he's an orchestra conductor with that team or those yeah. teams, right? He's allowing people to do things in a way that they might need to do them, whether it's Michael Jordan or whether it's Scottie Pippen or whether, um, you know, it's Dennis Rodman, which really stands out to a lot of, I think, people who just have seen this and thought, right, of course. gosh, yeah. like, you know, the, the, um, the amount of kind of patience and amount of acceptance that people had for one another is really incredible. So I think that that's a really good example of, you know, when I think of effective leadership. Yeah, yeah. And just talking a little bit about the Michael Jordan. I'm reading the book now as well, his documentary or his biography, I should say. And uh, one thing you said about being vulnerable, that's something that Michael Jordan did very, very well is because he was always 
able to be vulnerable, but he always um, was seeking progress as well. He was a really great learner and that's how he got to that level. Mm -hmm. But uh, moving on now, talking a little bit about your experience on um, the Israeli national soccer team, which is crazy and it's so cool. So could you just talk about that and being a captain of the U19 team for two years and what that experience was like? Yeah, Th thanks for... Um kind of making, getting me to think about this too, like just in um, thinking of my, my experience. So I, so I played soccer, I'm from Israel. I was born and raised in Israel. Um, my family is still in Israel and I was fortunate enough um, to be selected to play on the Israeli national team, um, first in the U19 team. And then um, for, for a certain amount of time, I actually played on the U19 team and the women's national team um, and just had the opportunity to play with really talented um, players, um, you know, that I grew up with. Like we actually, we had this core group of players that um, we were all on the U19 team together when we were 15, 16, you know, became 16, 17. And then suddenly we became the core of the women's national team um, before a few of us actually ended up coming over to the U.S. to play college soccer. Um, but the experience was, you know, amazing. I, I think it's tough to explain it. I think that the closest thing that I can, um, you know, kind of um, the closest thing to to what it's like is like when you know when you're competing for your university and you know that you're competing for something bigger than yourself. You know that you know the the G for us at Georgetown um, in Israel. It's you know you know that the flag um, that goes up and you're singing the an the national anthem. You know that you're playing for for many more people than. Um, just, you know, the, the 10 other people in the lineup um, for soccer. I loved it. I mean, it was, um, it was definitely, I mean, I have um, the best memories from that. I would say the best teams that I played with um, were on that national team. Um, and we had some really, really hard losses. Like we were, the Israeli national team had just started when I um, was growing up. And so, so Israel, I would say, is, is a little behind the U.S. Um, in terms of, you know, women's soccer kind of gaining um, momentum and popularity and more and more um, young women playing. And that's happening in Israel right now. And I'm really proud of all the progress that people are making in Israel um, and still have really close connections to, to people and the national team. And um, some of my friends now are coaches, which is really amazing. Um, but looking back at, at that point, you know, I, I think that we all realized that we were kind of breaking some, uh, we weren't breaking the glass yet, but we were breaking down some barriers um, of just access to women and, and playing um, at that level. You know, I, I, many times um, we would walk around and say like that we play soccer and we play on the national team and people would say like, oh, we didn't even realize there was a national team. Um, which I think is really different from here. You know, people are really well aware of um, women's soccer in the U.S., but around the world, it's it's not it's getting there, but it's not what it is in the U.S. So, um, I think I have that perspective. But it was amazing. I mean, um, you know, the the moments of um, the, that I remember are on the field, just hustling and trying to compete against yeah. bigger and stronger players from Russia and Hungary and Bulgaria and whatnot, and. Um, and then other moments of like beating teams, you know, and, and kind of making progress and um, that idea of just every year making some progress. Um, I had really amazing coaches that taught me life lessons um, on the national team. And we were just a really tight knit group because we, we grew up together. We, we were all together for about four or five years, um, which is just a really special kind of connection. Yeah. yeah. I mean, just the, 
just the pride from that. I can only imagine just not only representing your country and your nation, the place you've grown up for so long, but to break barriers and really um, open that next level for the next generation. That, that's really awesome. Yeah. You know, when I was, um, when I was about 15, I think we were in a, a training camp um, with the U19 um, team and we were at a training camp and um, our coach had us um, watch the, um, the 99ers. Um, what's the movie called? There's a movie about the 99 team okay. basically. And, um, and it, the, the, the movie, if I can remember what it's called, but the movie really outlines like how they became what they became, like how they started um, just playing in kind of, you know, in stadiums with no people and, and then suddenly kind of not suddenly, but they built up to then playing um, in the, you know, in the World Cup in front of in the US in front of 90,000 people. And I remember watching that with my team and thinking there is a way like there is a world where women um, can be seen and can compete at that level. Yeah. And immediately I felt a connection to that. I mean, it probably helped that Mia Hamm was on the team and like <laughs> Mia and Maya is pretty close. But I remember that like really, really, um, it was like a switch, like just like a, a, the flip, a flip of a switch for me. Yeah. Like the, I remember seeing that and thinking like, wow, there is a world where women play and people appreciate them for their athleticism and are cheering them on. And where they are looked up to for just being competitive, yeah. um, which I fell in love to that idea, with that idea. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, so after your playing career, you kind of take that competitiveness into the classroom and you know, get a PhD, which is an amazing accomplishment. Um, so just talk a little bit about uh, what inspired you to pursue and earn that PhD um, in organizational leadership. And then also just if you could give a brief explanation of what organizational leadership is for our listeners. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, you, you know, I, I, I think leaders are learners and the, the best leaders um, are constantly curious. And Sean, I think that's maybe something that we've been able to connect on, right? Like, yeah. I, I feel like I have a lot more questions than I have answers. Yeah. Even with a doctorate in organizational leadership, like I have more questions about the world and about what moves people and what inspires people, then I have answers about all of that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's, that, that's been inherently kind of what has moved me in, in my educational experience. So my undergraduate degree was in psychology and I was really interested in just like human behavior and kind of exploring things. I was lucky enough to be in a program, in a master's degree program about sports psychology. So at the time I, I was a student athlete, I played soccer in college, really interested in kind of what, you know, what, what makes the, the difference between like good players and the great players? Like, what is the difference? It's not just talent at that level. Like what, what is the kind of the, the difference? Um, so I, I got a master's degree in, in um, sports psychology. And at that point really focused on like performance as it relates to sports. And as I got into my professional career working in college athletics, I realized that um, performance also relates to organizations. Um, and was really, and started getting really curious about like what makes the difference between not just the individual athlete or individual team, but what makes the difference between really, really effective organizations and long lasting um, success. So what makes the difference between, you know, a dynasty, like in sports, when you think of like the Spurs that went on their years of, 
um, success or just more recently with, with sticking with basketball with you guys. Um, this thing of like the Golden State Warriors, like what, what is it? It wasn't just their players or one mm -hmm. superstar. Um, so I was really curious about that. And, um, and I found a way to kind of combine, you know, my curiosity with additional education that I felt would help me in my profession. Um, and, I, and I'm really interested in kind of the, the connection between um, sports, so college athletics now, but, but just the world of sports and the sport industry and higher education. I think that this system doesn't exist anywhere in the world. Like I grew up in Israel. If I wanted to play sports and I wanted to go to school, it would have been two different things. That's actually the reason I came to the U.S. because mm -hmm. of the combination, like, you know, the opportunity to play sports and study. Like I was in heaven. It was amazing. <laughs> you know, so for me, like to, to then, um, you know, to, to be able to explore the intersection between um, college athletics and higher education and what that means for people in the U.S., and what that means from a leadership perspective was just really interesting. And I was lucky enough to, to be able to do that. And to your question about organizational leadership, um, you know, in, in, in short, it's, it's studying um, cu culture within organizations. So it's, it's studying different aspects of culture. So belief systems, values, um, ultimately what shapes people's perceptions, um, experience, behaviors, um, what are some of the things that lead to organizations do, doing things, um, you know, some ways maybe differently than others. Um, you know, what, what kind of shapes that? Yeah. I think uh, to your point about the higher education and sports combination, there's really not many better places to do that than Georgetown. Just uh, with our athletic department and everything our school does, you know, there's a very large focus on both and excelling in both and excelling in every part of your life. And that's, that's a, uh, that's one of the best parts about it too. So yeah. Now going into your Georgetown job and everything like that, could you describe your role as the head of the Cooper's athletic leadership program? Because as I think of your role, you know, I don't want to shortchange you. You do so much in the athletic department. So I'm going to leave it up to you. There. <laughs> I thought you were going to give it a shot, Sean. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah. I, I won't put you on the spot. You know, um, my role is, um, so I'm the executive director of the Cooper Athletics Leadership Program. Um, it's a really unique program. It, it is housed in the athletic department. It was um, established after a really generous gift by the Cooper family. Um, you know, Peter and Sue Cooper um, had all of their children ended up going to Georgetown. Um, there's a really strong connection with the swimming and diving team, yep. as you know, because their daughter Kylie was a swimmer. Um, but, but the program is really unique in that it really supports the development of our student-athletes and coaches and staff members. My role is to oversee that, so to oversee the leadership development, so anywhere from um, content development, um, program design, so really thinking about what are, um, what are our students' needs, and, and those might change. What are our team's needs? What am I maybe hearing from coaches, um, from staff members? And then putting it into a structure that allows people um, to kind of live within that. So that allows students um, to have some structured development and education. So for example, all of our incoming students go through a program that is um, required. That's part of kind of the foundational element in education. But then as students matriculate through and mature through their academics, um, they can choose and opt into certain programs um, and, and get uh, 
get additional or have additional opportunities to engage with the community and engage with developing um, skills in, in whatever capacity they're interested in. So my role is really to oversee that, is to think long-term. Um, I know that you've, you've kind of asked me to think too, like what is the vision? But um, before I get into that, it's just, it's thinking long-term. It's thinking, okay, what, what do we need right now? But what does it look like from a strategic plan standpoint? Like what does it look like for the next two, three, four years, um, 10 years from now, what does it look like? I think um, it, it, to me, it's really fun. I, I think about it as like, okay, what is the problem? Let me think about like, what, what are we seeing and how do we design things that really engage people um, in a fun way? Because I think that this type of education is really about having fun with the material and the material can be very personal to people. So getting people to feel connected to it is what I, what I think my role is all about. Um, outside of that, I, I serve on, on, on our senior staff, so I have different administrative responsibilities within our department. I serve as a sport administrator for um, our tennis teams, our men's and women's tennis team, and our men's soccer team, um, and serve on different committees. But th that's probably less, uh, <laughs> less yeah. interesting for right now. Yeah. So talking a little bit about your program, designing ways um, to gain people to feel connected. One, one aspect of that is the Student Athlete Leadership Institute. Um, so I know this, just um, some of my teammates went on it this year, and this is a really, really unique thing that you do. So could you just um, give a broad explanation of what it is and what the goals are that come from it? Yeah, so the Student Athlete Leadership Institute is, is one of our programs. So one of the Cooper Athletics Leadership Program um, programs. We, we launched it this past year and we had two cohorts of students. Um, it's specifically designed um, for a small group of students that have been identified by their coaches as having leadership capacity. So the, the way that we define that is, is um, somewhat subjective. It's really having conversations with coaches and saying, hey, who is it on your team that you could really um, see be a leader within your program based on your values and your goals and your hopes and, you know, hopes and, and um, aspirations for the program and the coaches. So the coaches play a real important part in it. The actual design of the program. So there's small groups of students. Um, the actual design of the program is really intense. So it's a, it's a program where students have to apply to it. They're accepted to it. Um, and once that happens, they kind of go on this journey that's a personal journey, but then also a collective journey with their cohort. Um, and part of the journey, and I think that um, part of this, this is uh, the, the part that you think is pretty neat, part of the journey is actually this immersive experience where we go off campus. Um, and both, um, both our cohorts this year went to Shenandoah National Park, um, camped, you know, they, they sleep in tents, um, they make their own food, they, you know, help navigate like the route for hiking. Um, there is very limited cell phone connection, you know, very limited access to kind of the outside world. And what the design of those, that immersive experience, what it does is allows people, maybe forces students to be really present, to be really present um, with themselves and kind of their own thoughts and um, maybe fears <laughs> at times, um, but then also be really present with one another. Um, and it's really amazing how students responded to it. It was really um, a unique experience for them and a unique experience for me to be part of um, and to, to design for them. But just to see the, the growth that, that people go from, you know, 
day one walking in and, and maybe meeting people, meeting other student athletes that they didn't know necessarily, um, you know, an hour before, and then within three days to feel inherently kind of connected to them at the core um, is really amazing. And then once we come back to campus, then there's educational, there's an educational component where um, we do different workshops on kind of topics and themes that we, we think are important to add a little more um, enhancements. So we talk about our core values and we talk about our strengths and we explore how um, all of those can, can help us grow as leaders within our team and within our community. You know, I, I think you said the goals. I think the goal with this program is really to, um, for, for the students to explore themselves, um, explore what, what it's like within a small group, so with, within the cohort. Um, so the cohort is uh, a combination of students from different teams. And, um, and then to go back to their team and apply it, to, to really try and say, okay, this isn't just, let me go into the, the classroom and hear a lecture about leadership. Let me actually go into this experience. So it's a nine week experience into this experience where I'm going to learn from doing, I'm going to learn from interacting with one another. Um, you know, we talk less about communication and we try and communicate as much as possible. We talk a little less about like, Hey, let's put your phone away because there's limited <laughs> cell phone connection anyway. So we, we simulate some things, you know, we, we, um, we make this kind of an environment where some of this just happens. Um, and it's a really, really special experience for those students. Yeah. Yeah. I think one part that I really, really like about it is uh, kind of getting away from the world, you know, in the, out in the Shenandoah, you know, no really the cell phone connection, stuff like that. And um, just being disconnected allows you to connect with the people in the group way more. So I really like that part. Yeah. You know, I think one thing on campus and Duncan, I don't know how this is for you on your campus, but it's, it's, the, I think a big challenge is being present. Like I think on campus students from what I see um, and from what I hear them express is um, constantly feeling pulled and, you know, want, and, and there's always somewhere to go to. And there's always something that, you know, kind of that FOMO, like the fear of missing out, like there's always something that if I'm choosing to go to A, that means I chose not to go to B. I think that, that that's maybe the perception of students. And by really committing, like the students really committing to this program, um, just the way that we've set it up, they then are really present, which I just think sets the tone differently. Yeah, um, I totally agree. I think at Syracuse, um, yeah, it's really easy to kind of like week to week get caught in like the routine, the cycle, and just kind of get lost in that a bit and just kind of go through the motion a lot. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. Um, you know, struggle to be present, just whether it's in every class or just a whole week put together um, is really something like, yeah, I think people try to try to strive for, but definitely don't always achieve. Um, so yeah, talking a little bit more about um, Calp, what, what is your vision? Um, kind of for the Institute program in the future? Where do you hope to take things at Georgetown? Yeah, you know, I, th I think I'm, I'm really proud of um, the progress that we've made in the last couple of years. I think the Cooper Athletics Leadership Program um, has gained more attraction with students. You know, we're seeing more students interested in, in being engaged in different programs and activities. And it's a lot less about the programs and activities. I think when I think of even the, the progress that we've made, it's really about students connecting with one another and connecting with um, students from different teams. 
And when I think, you know, when I fast forward kind of in, uh, in my mind and I think, what, what will this look like and what, what are we building this um, towards is helping students um, connect with the institution and connect with um, who they are, so their identity as student athletes. I think that's another um, possible challenge that students face at an institution like Georgetown where there's this pull between the multiple identities and, you know, that students have. So when I think about the Cooper Athletics Leadership Program, I really think about us being a program that helps students um, in nurturing whatever it is that, or wherever it is that they are and meet students where they are. So providing some different opportunities, but not too many opportunities, but different opportunities um, for students to connect with one another. And um, Sean is an example of someone who, you know, participated in a freshman program as an incoming freshman and then um, volunteered to be a group leader in that same program the next year. And, um, and then now is on our uh, board, was elected to be on our board of our student athlete advisory committee, which is a formal leadership role. So I think that that's actually an example of, to me, the progress and progression that some students can choose to, to be part of. Um, so when I think about that, I also think of our coaches and just the involvement of our coaches. Um, I think that leadership development doesn't just happen in Shenandoah National Park. It doesn't just happen when we're in a program in our beautiful building, the Thompson Athletic Center, um, you know, in a classroom kind of setting. I think that it happens everywhere. Um, and, you know, within our athletic department, our coaches are so, so significant um, to the development of student athletes. So part of that is also just continuing to make the connections with coaches and continuing to help different people, whether it's athletic trainers and strength and conditioning coaches and our staff um, to see their, their role in developing our student athletes. Because one person can't um, do everything. That isn't the most effective approach. That's, that's my philosophy, that the most effective approach with over 700, like we're a big organization, like there's over 700 student athletes, over 100 and 20 staff members and coaches. Um, so that's a lot of people. And I think that if we as a program can help and kind of set the culture and shape the culture where different people are involved, then I, th I think we'd be doing a really good job. Yeah, great. Calpin uh, has really given the Georgetown community the, the tools to kind of create that cross-culture relationship. And that's one of the reasons why I have participated in so much because I, you know, it's all about meeting other athletes and getting to know everyone and creating that culture. It makes it mm -hmm. a better place to be. But um, we're kind of running out of time here. So uh, we're going to ask you our last question, another staple of our podcast. And uh, it's going to be, who is a leader you look up to and why? Yeah, I thought about this one. Gosh, th th this is actually tougher than I thought. Um, and, and just because I feel like I have um, – looked not just looked up but i've looked and i'm not trying to be too philosophical about this but like mm -hmm. i've looked all around and i i think that you know when i'm in a, a senior staff meeting and i'm looking at my colleagues um there are things that i learn from them and when i work with a group of student athletes um there are things that i learn from them and similarly with coaches there's something that that i learn from a lot of different people um you know but but i'll, I'll go close just because uh, i've I'm, i've talk to him pretty often, you know, Lee Reed, our athletic director, is someone, um, so I'm not going with a celebrity. Well, some people might say that he's a celebrity. I, I think but he I, could be. He could be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go with someone kind of, I'm going to go with someone within my circle. You know, I, I think when I think of Lee Reed and um, his role 
um, as an athletic director, that's not an easy role. Um, and when we think of the current situation with kind of the changes um, that this um, you know, global health pandemic presents and the different changes that are happening within the NCA, I think he, he does an, a really, really amazing job at um, sharing a story and making people and different people feel connected to the mission and connected to our values and you know he speaks with purpose and with conviction and with passion that i think is contagious um and you know when i um think of effective leadership i think that's what it looks like i think that it looks like when you're going through tough times you have a sense of purpose and a sense of connection because it's a lot easier you know we talk about this in some of our programs like it's a, it's really easy to be a good leader when like the team is winning you know, and to be courageous to go and like knock on your coach's door and like have that tough conversation when like you just came off a W. Yeah. It's really tough when you're not or when there's um, things going on that might be impacting the team's performance. And I think he, you know, and his background is in coaching. He was a student athlete. He was then a coach. He's been an administrator for um, years now and athletic director for long um, and the way that he does that, I think, is really um, impressive and really stands out to me because I, I don't take that for granted. I don't think every, um, you know, I, I don't think that's that common. I think it's less common. Yeah. I mean, just coming, we just recently had a meeting with Lee and our SAC board that you were on. And um, I just remember coming out of that and I was like, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but we're going to be okay. Because <laughs> just the way he was so confident coming into that meeting and just you know, I was trying to explain it to my teammates, but it's almost something you can't really even explain. Just like the kind of feeling he gives you after meeting with him. It's just a bunch of confidence and feeling that you're going to be okay. And that's, he really does a great job of that and leading that way throughout the athletic department. So, yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, Maya, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Yeah. Good, good luck with this, both of you. This is, uh, it's been fun seeing your progress and I'm looking forward to seeing where else you go with this. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. So that was a great conversation uh, with Dr. Ozeri. Uh, Sean knows her pretty well from Georgetown, but uh, for myself getting to talk with her the, for the first time, um, it's just incredibly insightful on in how much uh, knowledge she kind of has on the subject of leadership and culture and things like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, the first thing that stuck out to me, uh, something she said was like a, a, an effective leader, uh, being like an orchestra conductor where, you know, everyone has the same sheet of music. She said, everyone, like whether it be on a team or an organization kind of, you know, has the same goal. Um, and you've just got to kind of, you know, push the right buttons and kind of get everyone, you know, at their own pace as it may be, but kind of move everyone in the same direction. Um, and just kind of you know gently you know push people along where they need it um and just kind of keep things together and she mentioned phil jackson uh, from the last dance as we've talked about before kind of being an incredible conductor of that chicago bulls locker room so i thought that was a great point yeah and then she kind of leaned in on the leaders are learners and uh that's just such a really good point because you think about life and you think about leaders you have, you have to adapt to the situation. You know, life is ever changing. You have to adapt and you have to be on your toes to learn at all times. Because, you know, if you're not learning, you're going to be left in the past. It's, a, it's just a constant battle. And we've talked about this with other people. It's just the constant battle to keep 
bettering yourself and learning more about how to be a better leader. Yeah. Um, and no, I think just an interesting overall theme of our um, podcast so far, I feel like all of our guests, most of our guests, I should say, um, when we ask them, you know, who's a leader you look up to and why our last question, um, you know, a lot have said, um, you know, it's not really one person. They kind of look, Sean, yourself included, like you kind of look to a lot of different people, um, you know, like for small pieces and things they do in specific areas um, and kind of, you know, taking all of those pieces and kind of adapting them to yourself. So you have your own unique style. So I just think that's been an interesting uh, common thread throughout our conversations thus far. Yeah. And then the last point we kind of took from this is talking just a little bit about the Cooper's Athletic Leadership Program and what Maya has really done to make that what it is. It's really become a strong point of our Georgetown athletic culture because it really puts in place opportunities for students to advance themselves in becoming leaders or advance themselves in becoming whatever it is, just becoming better people and learners and creating that culture there that really is important in our athletic community. So she's done such a good job of that. And as you could see from the, from the interview, she's always learning and adapting and taking it to the next step. So, yeah. All right. So that's all we have for you guys today. Don't forget to follow our Twitter and Instagram pages at the stride pod. I'm Sean Devlin and I'm Duncan Stevenson. Thanks for listening. Make sure to look out for our next episode dropping soon. As always, we are the Stride. Thank you.